This morning, we're excited about being able to share how God led us in our experience from our city suburban lifestyle to a, a beautiful country setting out in the mountains of Montana. But before we go with you in that little journey, as we go back to early 1985, we'd like to share a scripture reference. And if you'd like to follow along in your Bibles, it's taken from Ezekiel, the 36th chapter. Verses that I had read when I was younger, but verses that began to come alive in our experience. Verses that became personal and practical in our lives. I'm looking, beginning at verse 24, Ezekiel 36, 24. For I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall be and ye shall keep my judgments and do them and ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and ye shall be my people and I will be your God. Back in early 1985, we were caught in what I would say is the typical uh, rat race, honest, sincere-hearted, very busy people that were committed to the Lord the best we understood, but so busy, so pressed, so pushed, even doing things for God, that we had no time for God. Isn't that amazing? As I talk to people all over the world, I find out that Honest-hearted, sincere people, especially people that want to do work for the Lord, often find themselves in the same position. So busy, even doing good things, that there's really no time for personal, practical communion with God. That means maybe just a quick five-minute prayer and you're out the door. Maybe a quick devotional or quickly reading a verse and then out into the day. This is not the kind of communion that will sustain us in the real Christian walk. It was one Friday evening, came to the end of the week, and it was actually a rare Friday evening that we weren't out doing something else. And we were sitting in our family room, sitting by the fireplace in the suburbs of Chicago, Hinsdale, sitting there in our family room, having a little quiet time. Do you remember the setting that evening? Absolutely. It's forever in my mind. <laughs> my wife loves to tell about the, the, the girls. Josiah wasn't in the picture then. No. Well, it's one of those, like Tom said, rare evenings where you just feel that you are in tune with your family and not being pushed and rushed by everything around you. And I became very aware at that time we just had Allison and Emily, and they were very young, toddlers, and they had those little pink footy pajamas on, you know, those zippered things. And they looked so cute and so sweet and so innocent. And I can remember as we were talking and relaxing, because obviously the sun is setting early and we're having a the quiet time starting early in the evening. And it, just watching them play and how happy they were. And it, I became very aware of their their activities, their, their countenances, their joy. And I realized that, you know, all week long, even though I was at home most of the time with them, I really didn't tune into them. And this night, I was really tuned into them. Well, we were just talking, having nice conversation, and a thought came into my mind, and I didn't know where the thought came from that night, but I soon found out that it was the Lord bringing a strong thought to my mind. And this was the question that I asked my wife, sort of right out of the blue. I said, honey, what's the most important thing that you can accomplish in this life? That's kind of a philosophical question, isn't it? 
But it just came out of my mouth. It wasn't even having anything to do with what we were talking about. And my wife just paused. Well, I, I didn't answer. Usually I'm very quick to answer questions. And I, I found myself just, my mind taken back and quickly reviewing the last hour with my family. And this very uh, deep thought, a very heartfelt thought came to my mind. And I looked at Tom and I said, Honey, to see our children in the kingdom of God and to see the crown of life placed on their heads. All of a sudden, the reality of eternity became very real to me and very important. And even though that was the desire of my heart as a mother, all of this time being home with my children, I really never ever gave it a thought. And that night, it was like a dart to my heart. Amen. Well, when she responded that way, I have to say that I was actually taken back a little bit. And this is, even as I say this now, it was a strange response in my heart because my wife had just finished her bachelor's degree in nursing. And she was very goal-oriented and very directed. And I... I wouldn't have been surprised to hear her say, well, you know, I was thinking maybe I ought to get my master's degree. I mean, that wouldn't have surprised me. But when she responded with those words, it just cut to my heart. And I, I realized, I said, honey, then something's got to change in our lives. I just realized in an instant that if we are really going to see our children enter the kingdom of God, if we are going to see them receive the crown of life, then we're not going to be able to do it if we continue living our lives the way we are now. Something has got to change. And that night, it was the beginning of God opening our eyes. Have you ever heard the, the expression of the scales being dropped off of our eyes? Well, that process be, began that night in a very new way. Now, we were, we were already thinking about country living. I can remember when Allison was very small. Was she about two years old? Not even two. We had been in Tennessee, and we actually we had, we had visited Tennessee, and there was a beautiful stallion running across, a black stallion running across a field. And it just caught our attention. You've seen the gracefulness just running across this open field. And we stopped and we caught a look in, in Allison's eyes that, that we had never seen before. You see, we had said we were going to, when we got married, where were we going to live? In the country. In the country. <laughs> we knew the council, at least we knew some of the council, the benefits. But you know how life is? It just kind of keeps us moving along. And here we were. 1985, and we weren't in the country. In fact, the house outside on this side and the house outside on this side, you know, you couldn't talk very loud because, you know, you didn't want everybody to know your business. <laughs> but that night, we knelt together, our little family. We put the girls between us, and I offered a prayer of commitment to God, a prayer that I have never forgotten. A prayer that that night set us on a new course with God, a new direction. I said, Lord, we're willing to go anywhere you ask us to go. We're willing to give up anything you ask us to give up. We will do whatever you ask us to do. If we can hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And see the crown of life placed upon the heads of our children. Amen. Brothers and sisters, we have never turned back from that commitment that night. Oh, I wish I could say to you that we just moved right ahead. <laughs> no bumps in the road. No backtracking. No detours. But I couldn't say that to you. But I can say this. We put our hands to the plow that night. And we have continued to press forward by Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about what began to happen and how God led us through this experience. Because some very beautiful things began to happen. That night, when we made that decision, things started to happen. We recognized that, yes, 
God can save us anywhere we are. Do you believe that? Okay? I mean, you remember Abraham, he was pleading with God. If there are 50 people in that city of Sodom, will you save the city? What did, he, what did God say? What did Jesus say to him? Yes, for 50. And then Abraham started thinking about how, well, that's a pretty bad city. And he started counting down on the mercies of the Lord. And yes, if there were only 10 in that city, God would spare that city. It tells you two things very quickly. It tells you that God is very merciful and long-suffering with us, Amen. doesn't it? But it also tells us that there's an environment in the city suburban lifestyle that can sweep people away, and it's very difficult to gain the experience that God desires his people to have. Let me read to you a little book, just a simple little book, Country Living. A reference that really made an impact on us. There is not one family in a hundred who will be improved physically, mentally, or spiritually by residing in a city. Faith, hope, love, happiness can far better be gained in retired places where there are fields and hills and trees. Take your children away from the sights and sounds of the city. It will be found easier to bring home to their hearts the truth of the Word of God. And then it goes on, and it says, The work of character building is tenfold harder for both parents and children in the city setting. Now, if parenting for you has been anything like parenting for us, our children didn't just come out of the womb saying, praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, they, there's a work involved in parenting, isn't there? And we don't need that work to be ten times harder, do we? Because it's hard enough in the best of circumstances. Well, for me, I already knew my failures as a parent. I mean, I had a four-year-old and nearly two-year-old, and I was floundering for how to manage these little ones that I didn't think should be that difficult. And that Friday night when Tom said, something has got to change, he said it was such strength and confidence that rather than, you know, negotiating with them or trying to, you know, be argumentative with them because I didn't understand I accepted that. And I want to encourage you, wives particularly. There's times that your husband will have a particular burden to lead out in your family. And you may not understand where he's coming from or the strength or the, the energetic enthusiasm that he has. But I want to encourage you to not respond maybe in your natural uh, response, but rather Listen quietly to the Lord, because that night um, I was very sensitive to what he had to say. And it gave me such a confidence in his willingness to lead out in an area that was unfamiliar to us and to tell you the truth, quite frightening to me, because I'm a personality that I like to know where I'm going, when I'm going, and how I'm going to get there. And it's all planned out ahead of time. And that the thoughts of moving to the country with a young family and what would we do for a job and all the other unknowns can be very intimidating. And I believe that's why many of God's people uh, find it just easier to continue on where we are presently in the suburban lifestyle, in a city lifestyle of living. And you can live that in the country as well, but we're going to be contrasting what God helped us to understand between how we were living presently and how God was calling us to live by his principles and his word. Mm -hmm. But I want to encourage you, especially, that this is a time to knit your hearts together. Don't expect that each other has all the answers, but see the willingness in your husband or the husband in the wife to, to be one in heart and one in purpose and move forward step by step as God reveals his beautiful plan for you. I have to tell you that, at least in our situation, 
I'm so thankful that God gave me a woman to truly be a helpmate to me, not just where I want her to help me, but where she needs to help me, where God recognizes she needs to help me. Because when I saw that we needed to be moving to the country, do you know what I did? <laughs> Let's stick the sign in the front yard and God will sell this thing probably in a week. I mean, this is God's will. So let's go for it. And I think God he enjoys the enthusiasm. But aren't you glad he doesn't always give us exactly what we want when we think we want it? And so while I'm chafing to stick the sign in the front yard, my dear wife is thinking of other things. I had to learn how to have faith. And not have to figure everything out. Because faith is not by sight. It's, it's by what God has put in our hearts. If we can see it and it's already revealed. And we already can plan each step. Then, then it, that's really not faith. That's sight. And so for me, I wanted to have a little more security. And that Friday evening, I got a level of trust. And, and developed a confidence in my husband by his enthusiasm to lead out. And then God used both our personalities to help each other for my husband to encourage my faith instead of my sight and for me to encourage him with, uh, let's just not put the sign in the yard, pack up and move and start driving around the United States and find out where we're going to live, but rather let's do some planning. And that's what we want to share with you, the next step that God brought us to because we started discussing what do we do. I didn't want to put that sign in the yard. I wanted to, to have a little bit more planning. And so he challenged me, and we came to an agreement as we prayed and talked together that there was a time when the sign went up, even though we didn't have all the answers A through Z. But during the process, we would let God decide when the house would sell, and he had things for us to do. And I want to share with you just a few of those things, and Tom will share some other ones, but simplify where we were presently. Because the way I was living, I was what you would call a recreational shopper. Anybody ever have, did anybody have that form of recreation? I'm sure there's probably many who have. There's an honest heart and soul out there. <laughs> who have had that uh, recreation. That's what we call it today anyway. It's, it's really a curse. It's not really a blessing. But I found myself even being at home often with the children, just, you know, oh, let's, let's go to the mall. Let's do this. Let's do that, you know, and kind she, of flipping She would come home once in a while with a bargain. Oh, she was excited. <laughs> Honey, look at the, the deal I got on this. And I didn't get very excited sometimes. <laughs> no, occasionally I did, but I would say, Honey, if we don't need it, it doesn't matter how good a deal you got on it. <laughs> Well, maybe someday, you know. And there's, there's just this certain philosophy you get when you live in that environment that bigger is better and more is necessary. And for me, the Lord wanted to start helping me simplify. And I started having to first address my time, how I spent my time in the simplification process. And instead of spending money to go out and drive from store to store and look at this and that, saving money in the fuel expense in the car saving my time and reinvesting that time in my children, which was kind of a new revelation to me as well, and then saving the money because I knew already that we weren't going to have very much money to, to move out into the country. And our goal as we talked and we prayed and we studied during this process, our goal and desire was to look for the best opportunity to exemplify the original plan for God's people as God established it in the Garden of Eden. Husband and wife being together as much as possible, the family in a natural setting, the employment out of the home if possible, and to be debt-free. In the home. Employment in the home. Yes, in the home. Thank yeah. you, dear. <laughs> so I had to start addressing how I spent the family's money. And that was a real challenge to me at first, but I found it exciting. And we actually went together to the little credit union where we worked. Our hospital had a little credit union for their employees. And we opened up a new account called Country Living Account. And every little thing I could save, we would tuck away in this account. And I got excited because I found out that each week I was saving more and more money. 
I wasn't spending so much on gas. I wasn't buying a lot of the unnecessaries. And then I started challenging myself, well, maybe we could eat simpler. Maybe we don't need to go out to dinner. Not that we ever did it that often, but, you know, just any way we could save. And I found that very exciting. And then we decided to simplify our home because we recognized if we're going to move out of a 2,400 square foot home in suburbia and we're going to simplify our lives and get something that's affordable, it's likely that we're not going to live in a 2,400 square foot home in the country. So we started going through our house and there were wedding gifts that we got that I don't know that we ever used. So those were some of the easy things, you know, to put out in the yard sale or things we were done with and didn't need anymore. And as we went through the house and and established our first little garage sale, it was exciting. We made quite a bit of money, I think nearly $600 on the first one. And that was so exciting to me. And so then we put that money in the country living account. And then I went through the house again. This time I got more serious about the things that we were putting in there. And I started asking the Lord, Lord, is this something we're going to need? Is this something I should have? Or do we need this where we're going to be? And we started selling bigger items like my antique bookshelf. You know, those uh, glass drawer, drawer bookshelves that stack bookshelves. Oh, I really liked my antiques. And the Lord said, you know, I mean, you can put books on a nice, you know, just a simple $100 bookshelf. And you don't really need to take this expensive old antique bookshelf with you to the country. It's valuable here. Sell it where people are into antiques and redeem those funds. This is just, I'm sharing how the Lord worked with me. So I put these kind of things in the yard sale. And then we started getting several thousand dollars to tuck away and even became more exciting. And during this process, we started researching where would would we like to live? And we researched that by establishing together, remember that? The night we sat down at the table, what are our priorities? And we both made a list and we put on there 10 priorities that we were looking for in a country setting. And the most important to us uh, at that time was homeschooling. Now this is an idea that I never even had when we first decided to move to the country. But it's something that the God that God opened up to us as a as another avenue by which to raise our children, prepare them for the kingdom of God and their character. So homeschooling laws became very important in our priority list. And back in the mid eighties, many states it was illegal to homeschool. So that narrowed our search down right away from fifty states down to a, maybe a half a dozen states. It was very important that we sat down and we Prioritized. Now you have to realize the sign was in the yard and weeks are going by and I didn't understand. What is happening here? I was sure that God was calling us just like he called Abraham. I had read about Abraham and I felt the call to, to come out from the situation that we were in. Why wasn't our house selling? When, when the realtor listed our house, she told us that everything in our area, we were in a fairly affluent community. We weren't very affluent, but we were in an affluent community, big houses on both sides of us. And so the realtor said, everybody's selling about two, three, four weeks in this market within about a four block area. So I thought, well, I thought it was going to sell in a week, but four weeks, that's okay. Well, the weeks went by. But while the weeks went by, during this waiting time, the Lord was showing us that we needed to start changing right where we were. Amen. You know, there's this feeling or this philosophy that the grass is greener on the other side. Is it? Not usually. Once you get over there, it looks about the same when you look back at the other grass. <laughs> it just always, it's, it's when I get to the country, oh, then I'll start doing these things. God began to show us, no, you need to start doing these things now. You need to learn how to start simplifying your lives now in this present setting. Don't wait till you get out there. We've seen many people over the years that they're waiting until they get out and they squander the opportunities of the present experience to begin to work through it. Well, during this process, it went on seven months, eight months, Nine months, ten months, and the realtor is coming to us. Here, we're the praying people, right? <laughs> we're the ones who have the courage to invite our realtor to pray with us. 
when she comes to visit us. Nobody else ever has her do that, and she's selling everybody else's houses. We're the ones that, you know, yeah, I think it's going to sell in a week. Well, the Lord knew all these things, and you'll find out later in the story why these things happened. But we had a testing time. You know, we're told that without a vision, the people perish, right? But I want to tell you that there's also an experience that happened to many people in in Bible times. It was called the death of a vision, okay? And whenever it happened to God's people, the vision that died was the one that was generated from self, sparks of our own kindling. Like, I'm going to get out here in a week. I'm going to be a great mountain man. (laughs) All these things. That has to die. And I found myself one day on my knees just pleading with the Lord alone. Nobody was around. Nobody heard my groaning. I was on my knees saying, Lord, did I miss something here? Didn't you call us out? Isn't this what you're asking us to do? Isn't this? And I realized the problem was not what the Lord was asking us to do. What he was asking us to do was how we were trying to, how I was trying to do it. I was trying to do it my own way, generated by my own understanding, do it on my timetable. And that day, I found a victory with God. And it was my first day to understand what I call neutralizing the will. I have a message on it. Neutralizing the will doesn't mean that you make it of none effect like pouring you know, soda water on a battery acid to neutralize it. It means that we come to the place where we really allow God, really allow God to have access to us that if it's His will, it will happen. If it's not His will and it's not His time, we're content to wait on the Lord. And I came away from that experience, got off my knees, neutralized before the Lord, so much so that I said, Lord... If I've misunderstood something, I'm willing and contented to stay here as long as you want us to be here. And you know, within a week, things started happening. Beautiful things started happening. But before the best thing happened, we got a distraction from the devil. You know, he often does that. And we had been sitting now for 10 months with no offers on our house. It's kind of disheartening. But right after I prayed and got that peace from the Lord, a few days later, we got an offer. An offer from a couple of attorneys in Chicago. So what does that tell you? Think they were giving us full price? (laughs) No, they were looking for a bargain investment. And oh, how our realtor tried to put the pressure on us. She tried to put the... She said, you haven't had an offer in 10 months. Everything around you is selling. She said, if I were you, I'd take it. But we had been praying through this process and we knew that God was going to bring us X number of dollars. We knew it. We had prayed about it. We were contented to know that this was the price that God had for us, for this property. And these people were offering us was it 12,000 less or 10,000 less? And so we didn't take it. A few days later, they called, the realtor called back and they offered us a few thousand more. She said, take it, take it. <laughs> I said, no, we're not going to take it. Now it's Friday afternoon. The offer is there. Take it. And we want to move. What does humanity want to do? Start rationalizing and reasoning it away. But we didn't do that. And so the Sabbath came in and before Sabbath we knelt down together and we said, Lord, we don't want to be thinking about this over the Sabbath. This is in your hands. We give it to you. And he gave us complete rest. Complete rest. We have a four-hour version of this, by the way. So (laughs) I have to get some of these details in here. But we had rest over the Sabbath. And Sunday morning at about 10 o'clock in the morning, we got a call. We got a full price offer plus a thousand dollars. Okay, now from a different party. Different party, completely. Now, when I say a full price offer plus a thousand dollars, we had we had asked three realtors to come and do a market analysis of our property, and we took the center, the, the the one in the middle of the of the 
So there was an asking price, but then there was God's price. Okay, and God's price was two thousand dollars less than the asking price. Wasn't that something like that? And we got a thousand dollars more than that. Oh, we found out later why we got that extra thousand dollars to help another family in need. But we waited on the Lord. We went through that testing process, and when He had tested us enough in that area, we got exactly what we needed to move on with the property. During that 10 months in that priority process setting, I found a lot of my time was being spent in contacting realtors and, and uh, chamber of commerces in the areas on which we had designated on the map in the states that had open home school laws. So it wasn't just sitting back and waiting for us to sell the home, and then once it was sold, okay, Lord, now you just take us the next place. We spent a lot of time contacting people, gathering information on climate, weather patterns, employment opportunities, uh, you know, prices in their area. I mean, we wanted to move a place that we could afford to live. There's some places that you move, you couldn't afford to live there because the cost of living is so high. So we did all of this research, and we had narrowed it down to four states, Montana, Idaho, Washington, and Oregon, because the entire Northwest was, was fairly open in their homeschool laws, and they had a lot of, uh, of um, water in those states and good air quality for the most part, especially if you stayed out of the cities. A lot of national forest areas. These were all things we were looking for, lower uh, density of populations. And so when, we, when our home had sold and we actually had a contract with a closing date set at that point, we made the decision to take three weeks off from work. My husband had saved his vacation, and we were going to take that three weeks' time. We were going to drive from Illinois to the northwest, and we were going to go to each of these areas that we hadn't narrowed it down to, and we were going to research them by sight. And that was very exciting to us. And in that process, we, we tried to, we become so economy and, and savings minded. I told Tom, let's just, we bought an old 78 Ford Super Cab pickup, you know, so it was quite outdated even then. And we packed everything in that pickup and we made a little bed in the back and I made little curtains for the windows and we were going to live in this truck. In the back end. A cap, cap, not not a camper, camper. but a cap in the back of this pickup. And that's how we're going to live for the next three weeks. And it was exciting. And to take along, especially on this trip, we had a newborn baby, Josiah. And that's part of the reason why God allowed us to stay where we were for 10 months. Because in that process of time, some of the faith experiences I had to go through is could I trust the Lord enough? to leave the security of my medical background and the hospital we were employed in and go pregnant to a new state and not have health insurance, not know the people or have a doctor that I was familiar with. But I was willing to surrender that, and God gave me the confidence he could take care of us no matter what our condition or where he was to to take us. He could take care of us. And in that process, I gained the peace. So if he would have sold it in three months, I would have been ready. But he knew we needed to wait 10 months. So we had Josiah, who was just a few weeks old, bundled up in, in with us and in all of our goods as we traveled across the United States. Well, there were three references, three inspired words, uh, three references of counsel that we were taking with us when we set out on this trip. And we were going in faith. The first one was found in Christ's Object Lessons, page 327. It says, not more surely is the place prepared for us in the heavenly mansions than is the special place designated on earth where we are to work for God. That was one of the promises that we claimed when we set off in our mission to find this uh, new land that God had for us. And two Bible verses that became very powerful. And they are very powerful to me and to our family even today. The first one is Psalm 32.8. It says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. It's a wonderful thought to believe that just as God was guiding Israel across that desert journey in the Exodus, God was guiding them a pillar of fire and a cloud by day. Isn't that beautiful? That was real. Just as much, God will guide us with his eye as we are journeying by faith in the direction he's asking us to go. 
And the second verse that was very meaningful to, to us was Isaiah 42, 16. I will bring the blind. Are we blind? I felt like I was. I will bring the blind by a way they knew not. I will lead them in paths they have not known. I will make the crooked way straight before them. This will I do and not forsake them, saith the Lord. There's more in the verse, but this is what we focused on, that God was going to personally direct us in this journey. We believed it. We believed it so much. We had done our part to research the best that we could. We had prepared as well as we could. We believed that during this three weeks, God would reveal either the place or the employment one or the other. And if, in his grace, both, that would be a bonus. Well, as we went down the road on the beginning of our journey, we were going to be staying with some friends. Do you remember staying with the friends on the way? It Wasn't that in mm-hmm. Iowa? In Iowa. And we planned to stay overnight with them. We hadn't seen them for uh, some time. They were very good friends. And when we got there... We were excited to be reunited, and we sat down to, to the meal. And during the meal, both of us got a similar prompting, impression from the Lord. Now, we didn't know much about impressions uh, of how God speaks to us, but the Lord was directing us just as we had believed that he would. And as we were sitting there, individually, we were both feeling strongly that we shouldn't stay overnight. We were going to stay overnight with them, just have a nice time and leave early in the morning. We both felt very strongly that we should leave. Well, we didn't say this until after the meal, and we got together, and we both found out we were feeling the same way. So we came to them, and we explained to them that we were feeling strongly that we should move on, and they understood. They were excited about what we were doing. And so we headed out. We were going to be meeting our friends in Montana, and because we left early, because we left almost what ended up being 12 hours about early. 12 hours early, we ended up meeting our friends at the real estate office rather than in their home. And in the course of God's providence, we were introduced to the owner of the real estate company. And Paul invited us into his office and he said, tell me about what you folks are trying to do. And we began to share with him and he looked at his watch and he said, well, I've got another appointment, he said, but I'd really like to hear, you know, what you, you folks have in mind. Well, he ended up asking us a couple questions, and, and then he picked up the phone, and he called somebody, and he rearranged his appointment. We spent the next hour in his office, and he said, you know, I think that I can help you do what you feel God's asking you to do. He said, I would like to set up a satellite office up in the Eureka area. And he said, I think that I could help serve the purposes you're looking for and find a quiet setting, and you could help me build my business. (laughs) Sounds like a pretty good situation. Win-win, right? And so we set on our search to find property up in the Eureka Valley. Because we felt that if this was really the job that God had for Tom, then he would also show us clearly a place to live that was affordable to us. And we were still looking to find a place that was within the dollars we had made on our home that we were selling so that we could try to be out of debt. It was interesting through that 10-month process, one of the other things we did is we looked at how my husband could do employment because he's an x-ray technician by profession and, and had advanced through the different levels and actually was teaching radiography to students. And when you move to the country, first of all, they probably don't even have an x-ray machine in town, in a lot of these little towns. Secondly, they're they're not going to be looking for anybody to train students on how to use these machines. So he was recognizing that the Lord was going to probably change his occupation. Even though I was a nurse, and it's easy for the nurse to find a job anywhere, rurally or in the city setting, God had put it in my heart to be a full-time mother. And my husband said, we're not moving to the country for you to work. We're moving to the country so you don't have to work anymore. Amen. And that, that was a real encouragement to me because I knew that he was behind me and encouraging me to fulfill the, the role as being a full-time mother in the home. So when, when the opportunity came up for my husband possibly to become a real estate agent and sell property, I just thought this was wonderful. And so we drove up 65 miles north into the Eureka area 
of Montana, and we started looking. And for one week, every day, we would go to the local realtor's office and we would say, do you have any property for sale, any homes for sale? And we'd spend our day looking at what they had. The next day we'd go to the next office, the next day the next office. And we ran out of options in just a few days and we still had time to go. And so we just started driving around, looking at areas and knocking on people's doors. Do you know of any property for sale? Do you know anybody who has a home they want to sell? And we were all excited. And as the week went on, my excitement started to go downhill because we're running out of time. We've spent Monday or Sunday through Friday and we have found nothing. We have, you know, we've only had three weeks and now one week is totally gone and we're, we have nothing at the end of the week. And we've been knocking on doors, which is not either of our personality. Have you, can you imagine going to a rural community and driving the back roads and just seeing a nice place and stopping and knocking on a stranger's door and says, do you know of any place for sale? I mean, that was so much against who we are in our personalities. And yet, we were that willing to research every opportunity. And so, at the end of the week, I found myself a bit discouraged and talking to my husband. Maybe we should move on to another state. Maybe this isn't it. We still have Idaho and Washington and Oregon going to go, and we only have two weeks left. Well, we recognized, first of all, Montana was not our first choice state, Okay. We recognize that maybe this was just the Lord showing us how quickly he can take circumstances and open something up. We recognize that maybe this wasn't what God had in mind. Maybe he was just showing us a token of how quickly he can offer some possibilities. So we made a decision that if we didn't find something by the next Monday morning, that we would head on our way. So we spent the weekend camping with our friends. And on Sunday morning, we, what we did is my friend and I went out together. We, we took a, a National Forest Service map and we circled a 10-mile kind of circle on the map. And we all knelt together and we prayed. It was a, an area that we felt would be an ideal location if I was going to work real estate. My friend was in real estate and he said this would be an excellent place to start a business. It's got good access and it, yet it's, it's out and it's private. So we all knelt together and we prayed that if, now this is Sunday, if, Lord, if you want us to stay in this valley by your grace, Today's the day. Now, we can't really put pressure on God, can we? But we were really pleading with God. If this is you, Lord, then show us. And we started driving. My friend and I drove and started driving every road, every road that was out there on that 10-mile circle. And we just drove from place to place. Every place that we could drive into, we drove in. We asked questions. Sometimes people would say, well, you know, I know so-and-so up the road. He was talking about selling one time. Maybe you can ask him. We went from place to place to place. And finally, we drove into this one place. And there was a beautiful mountain stream flowing down. And as we went across that, drove up into the yard where the people lived, the the owner came out. And my friend and I began to speak to the owner about our desires. And we started asking him about this little piece of property where this stream went through. And he says, yeah, everybody wants to buy that piece of property, he said. He owned it, and it was <laughs> nicely separated by the Forest Service Road. Everybody wants to buy that. I get hunters wanting to buy it. My relatives want to buy it. He says, I'm not interested in selling it. Well, we stood there for a while, and my friend, being a realtor, was not intimidated to say, well, you sure you don't want to, I mean... Consider selling that? I mean, it's such a nice little piece of property. He said, no, not interested in selling the property. Then we talked a little longer, and again, my friend said to him, now, I don't want to offend you or anything, but, well, that's a real nice piece of property over there. He says, well, you're not going to offend me. You can ask me a hundred times that I'm not going to sell it, so go ahead and ask me again. Well, anyway, before we left... He invited us in to meet his wife. And he wanted to show off his little spring-cooled refrigerator. He had built in 
He was one of these people that could do just about anything. He had built in a nice spring-cooled copper-coiled refrigerator, stainless steel, built into his cabinets. Gravity flow, no pumps or anything. Oh, we were impressed. Never seen anything like that anywhere. <laughs> and so as we were leaving, we had the thought, maybe we could bring the family up to see this neat little cabin and refrigerator. And he says, yeah, bring them on up. So my friend went home, and Monday we did our last checklist. Remember that? Yeah. And at the, there was a zero on everything we had left to check. And I said, let's go up there. Before we leave the valley, let's go up there and see this guy. He said he'd, he'd like the family to see his place and his refrigerator. And we went up there and go ahead. Well, you get to know your wife. See, I can tell she's getting ready to say something. <laughs> I felt a little bit funny because, like I said earlier, this isn't my personality. And now we've already figured out this is not where we're to be. We've ruled everything out. And we're going to take another hour out of our time from heading over to Idaho to drive the other way and go see this, these people who have made it very clear they are not interested in selling. And Tom said, but you've got to see this refrigerator. And I said, honey... He says, well, maybe we'll live somewhere without conventional power. Maybe we'll have to have something like this, but come see it. So, you know, I was a little bit reserved, but submitted, and we went up there, and, and uh, the children come piling out of the, the truck, and I was carrying Josiah, and the, the folks came out on their front porch, because they don't get cars there very often. They hear them come up the drive, and they were out there on the porch, and they welcomed us in, and, and uh, Tom never came in the house. He, he just like stood on the porch and went off with, with the man, the owner. And there I was with this strange lady who, Tom, I don't know if you met her yet or not. And the children and I went into the house and, and she's starting to ask me a lot of questions. Where are you from? What are you doing? Why do you want to move the country? And all these kind of questions. And, and um, how old are your children? And what are their names? And went through all of this, you know, small talk conversation. And an hour went by, and it's like, you know, I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to, you know, get me out of here, honey, you know. And he's just totally gone. I don't hear him outside. I don't see him anywhere. And I don't know, sometime later, they finally came in the house, and he had the biggest grin on his face. Well, I had asked the man, I said, I know that you're not interested in selling the property. That's clear to me. But I said... You've got such a beautiful place here. Would it be all right if we just walked around on it and we could see it? And he said, sure, I love to show people my property. <laughs> he was real proud of it. I mean, he had a simple place, simple cabin, but he had done some very nice things on the property. So we started walking along. And I'll never forget, we, we crossed over the Forest Service Road to the lower part of the property. That's the piece I had my eye on. There's <laughs> just a little chunk of property. He had 40 acres. And this was nicely divided, separated by this Forest Service road. And as we were crossing the road, this is the first time in my experience that I can ever remember thinking, this is the Lord speaking to me. And this is what the Lord said in my thoughts. And it might as well have been an audible voice, okay? Because it came through to me so clearly. The Lord said, Talk to this man as though this will be your property. Can you imagine that? This man doesn't want to sell his property. The Lord's telling me to talk to him as though this is going to be my property. I didn't have a clue how to do such a thing. <laughs> What's the basis of conversation? We haven't even talked about his willingness to, to sell it. And... And we were walking down in this one area, and there was a, a place that was sub-irrigated. you know what that means? It's kind of underwater. There's little springs, and the water is just gently moistened underneath and soft. And when we got to that spot, I had a thought. This would be a great place to have a garden. And so I thought, this is my chance. So I said to him, this would be a great place for our garden. <laughs> okay. This is supposed to be like I'm going to own this property, right? <laughs> he never, he acted like I didn't even speak a word. Just went right over his head. He never responded. He just kept walking like he didn't hear me. And I was very intimidated by this. 
like, you, you asked me to do this, didn't you, Lord? And the thought came back to me again. Speak to this man as though this will be your property. So we walked. It seemed like we walked quite a ways. And we came to a little clearing. And there was a stump that had been cut off high. And I've always liked to climb things. Not high, high things, but just climb on things. And so I climbed up on this stump. And there was a beautiful view of the valley. And I said, this would be a great place to build our house. And he said, yeah. And I've got an idea for a water system for you. (laughs) And I was the one that was speechless. (laughs) But I quickly got my wits about me again. And we spent the rest of our walk back to the house him telling me about his idea for this grand water system that he would help me build. So now I was excited. And that's when you came in the door. That's when I came in the door. So we all sat down together at the table. Did you want to say something? Because now I'm getting excited. We, (laughs) We all sat down around the table, and it's like, wow. Oh, I forgot one little detail. When we got back to the house, he said to me, he expressed to me that he was willing to sell this property, okay, to me privately. But he said, I have to tell you that it's my wife who makes the decision, okay? Now, it wasn't so much that she sort of was the head of the house, but in this, she loved this property. It was like her, this was her baby. And so he's, he was expressing all these things, but before we got in the door, we stopped and he said, it's my wife who will make the decision. So we went in the house and we sat at the table and we started talking and he was expressing, because he, he, he liked us, apparently, okay, something happened. And so he's expressing the interest in, we'll consider this. And so then he turned to his wife and she said, where are you staying? Well, we were staying in the back of our Pick up down by a little lake that's just about three miles down the road. And we were parked there in a little campground. And she said, listen, um, why don't you bring your family up here tomorrow morning for breakfast with us? Go ahead. Can I correct you? Go ahead. (laughs) Sorry. She said she would like to have a few days to think about it. Oh, that's right. Wednesday. That's right. Wednesday. Thank you. I'm getting ahead of the story. Yeah. I get excited about this. So she wanted to have a few days to think about it. Okay, so we were staying down below. So she asked us where we were staying. We expressed it to her. So we went down there. This was Monday afternoon, mm-hmm. right? right? Monday afternoon. She said, why don't you give us until Wednesday? So we went down there and we bathed the children. Do you know how cold the water is in Montana? <laughs> it's not running water. This was in the lake, Okay. <laughs> Little Josiah, how old was he then? Six weeks. Six weeks, okay. Bathing our children, bathing ourselves in this very cold mountain lake. Very refreshing. Feels very good after you're done. So we we got, you know, we had our, we ate and everything, and we went and got in our, tucked away for the night, and we were having a special prayer together. And I remember as we prayed together, that I re- was reminded of the situation where, where the angel was striving with the king in Daniel's, you know, when Daniel was there in the kingdom. And Gabriel had come down and he had strived with the king and worked with the king. And as I was praying, I said, Lord, if this is your will, you can move these people's minds. You can move these people's minds. And I, you know, I said, in Jesus' name, amen. And then there was a knock on the side of our cap that kind of startled us because we were the only people down there. Nobody else was camping out. And it just startled us. And, and they, they said who they were, and it was Sis and Don, the people that owned the property. And they said, can you come out for a minute? And, of course, we were ready for bed. And so Elaine said, they're going to sell it to us. <laughs> so she said, they're going to sell it to us. I was really getting excited now. <laughs> I said... Calm down, honey. Usually it's me. Okay. Now she's getting excited. I said, calm down, honey. They may just be telling us that they don't want to waste our time. Because they knew we had to move on to some other states if, if this wasn't going to work out. I said, maybe they're just being gracious to us and they don't want to waste our time. 
So we got out and we went and sat at a picnic table and they said, listen, we've been thinking, why don't you come up in the morning and we'll have a pancake breakfast together. So I said, okay, what time do you want us there? And they told us and we went back in and now we're going to get our answer. We, we're going to get our answer. So in the morning we got up there and uh, we sat down to eat and it was amazing. Our children have always been pretty good eaters. You know, some children, you just... You can't get them to eat. They pick, and our children have always enjoyed their meals. And they ate, and they ate, and they ate. This woman was so excited about how our children ate. She'd never seen children eat so many pancakes. I was getting embarrassed. She was... The stack was going down, and they were still asking for more. And I wasn't hardly eating anything, because I knew the lady was going to run out of food. <laughs> So anyway, we finished our breakfast and cleaned up the things, and then we sat around the table. And we just sat there looking at each other. And finally Don said, so I suppose you're wondering what we decided. Not a word was said about the property during the meal. And there was a silence. It just seemed like a long silence. And then he turned to his wife and he says, you tell him, sis. When he said that, you know what happened in my heart? It just took a dive. <laughs> just for a second. Because the Lord called to me. And in an instant, the Lord reminded me that he, if this was not the place, he had something better for us. And my heart came right back up again. <laughs> just a dip like that. And she looked at us. She just looked at us. And I think she was doing this on purpose. She just looked at us. Didn't say a word. It seemed like such a long time. And then she said, we're going to sell it. I wanted to jump up. (laughs) I wanted to leap up and say, praise the Lord. But two things. We had found out that they were not into Christianity. Isn't that interesting? In the course of talking to Don, I found out that they were not, they didn't like to talk about religion, they weren't into that kind of stuff. And the second reason that I couldn't really jump up is because that night when they knocked on the camper, or on the cap on the side of the truck there, I said, you know, even if they are willing to sell it, do you know we only have $6,000? Only $6,000 for this land? That means that not only does God have to move their heart to sell it, God has to move their heart to sell it for $6,000. Okay? Now, I didn't know it at the time, and I'm thankful I didn't, because I might have been overwhelmed. But, but at the time that we were looking at this property, that piece of property was worth $18,000. I didn't know that, because it wasn't for sale. Okay? So we sat down, and they said, she said, we're going to sell it. So... That's one answer to the prayer. And then there was a long pause again. And then Don said, we need $6,000. Oh, then I wanted to leap up again. (laughs) But the Lord restrained me from doing that. But we knew God was answering our prayer. Now, you have to hear the end of the story. Did you want to share anything? Because I was getting ready to tell them the, the fun part. What, what um, I didn't realize is that all these questions she was asking me, she was trying to get a feel for who we were and what, what our goals were in life. And she told me later she didn't want a bunch of brats around her. That's why they moved out of the city. They just didn't want all these brats. That was her term for uh, rebellious young people. And she, they, she was scrutinizing our children at five and three and newborn and she was seeing if they were listening if they were attentive if they were obedient if they were happy and that's why God gave us those 10 months Amen. because there was a tremendous work I had to do as a parent in that time from fussy complaining and whining and self-willed children to beginning to mold and shape their characters so that if I asked them to do something they, they could obey cheerfully and not go I don't want to and throw a temper tantrum on the site And all of this was preparation, which we didn't know. In that meal, she watched to see how they ate. 
because she told me later I didn't want fussy, picky children at the table. And here I was feeling embarrassed they were eating so much, and she was thankful to see that children could enjoy good, wholesome food. We also, my children told her the first day that we were vegan vegetarians as well. So, I mean, you know, it's kind of one of those things, you know, I mean, why should they tell her? But, you know, it came out innocently out of their mouths, and the next day she had made a vegan pancake breakfast for us. So God had all that arranged, even out of the mouth of babes. Well, I have to tell you, the, the most exciting thing, well, it's, there's lots of exciting things, but in this capsulated version of a four-hour story, <laughs> the Lord says, before you call, I will answer. Amen. Do you believe that? We saw fulfillment of these words like we've never experienced it before. She said to us, about three months after we were there, building our home, living in a little fifth-wheel trailer that her mother owned and let us use while we built. About three months later, she had us over to their home, and she said, you know why we decided to sell you this property? I said, no, tell us. Because we knew they weren't religious at all. She said, I had a dream 12 years ago. Okay, I want to stop right there for a moment. I married Elaine in 1980. Okay? This is now 1986. Six years. This lady had a dream six years before I knew she existed. Is that, is that God? And she said, in this dream, she said, I saw a family with three children. There were no faces. And that family came to us, and she said, you are the family that I saw in the dream. The timing was God's timing. And I tell you, every time I say that, it makes chills go up my neck. (laughs) That's how God is. He is the God who has a thousand ways of which we know not. He can and will do whatever he deems best, and he is not limited by anything. The world is his. He still directs the world in spite of Satan's attempts to thwart him. And God wants to direct us as individuals. He's calling to us to be willing to do what he's asking us to do. And for us, for our family, When God called us to the country, he led us each step of the way. And if he's calling to your heart today to quiet, to be still, to to come into a more retired circumstance where you can have better communion with God, where the life slows down so that you can be still and know that he is God, then I entreat you. Be sensitive right where you are. Begin right where you are. Ask God right where you are what he would have you to do. Because he is the God of all flesh. And he knows exactly where we need to be. Any more thoughts you'd like to share, dear? No. Okay. Well, we've enjoyed being able to share how God led us. And... We love to tell the long version of it too, but uh, this was the capsulated version today. God will lead each person. No more surely is there a place prepared in the heavenly mansions, but God has his special place for each of you to do his work on this earth. Shall we kneel together as we pray? Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to share together as brothers and sisters. Lord, we know that we live in a time in this earth's history that has been compared to as it was in the days of Noah, as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lord, we know that we live in a world that's moving at a very rapid pace and that the devil is trying in every way possible to take us from our communion with you, to keep us from even recognizing our true condition, and if we recognize it, trying to overwhelm us with so much 
even good things to do that we neglect the best. For time to be endued with power from on high. Time to work with the needs of our own marriages and our own children. Lord, I pray that you would meet each one of us where we are. We know that you meet us where we are and that you will instruct us and teach us to where you'd have us to go and that you'd guide us with your eye. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.